Welcome to Jesus Unmasked, an invitation to join a search for the living Christ in scripture and our lives. In Jesus Unmasked, we believe that Jesus would wear a mask during the time of COVID, and so should everyone. Yet in this podcast, we seek to remove the masks of exclusive theology and violent cultural lenses that obscure the truth that Jesus is unconditional love. In the unmasked face of Jesus, there is hope, acceptance, and forgiveness that frees us from fear, that we may live into our fullest selves as reflections of God's love. We explore scripture through the New Revised Standard Version of the Bible, and we use the Common Lectionary. Hi, everyone. Welcome to this episode of Jesus Unmasked, our weekly Bible study here on the Raven Foundation Facebook page and the Clackamas United Church of Christ Facebook page. We are live every Wednesday at 5 Central, 3 o'clock Pacific, and here we are. It's another Wednesday, and uh, we're here to unmask all the violent, harmful, exclusionary ideology that has been thrust upon the words of Jesus. Can I get an amen? Amen. Yes. <laughs> but you know what we're going to do before all of that? Hi, Amber. Uh, uh, before all of that, real quickly, I um, I just want to say Eid Mubarak to our Muslim friends because our, our Muslim friends, um, depending on what time zone they are in, have either broken their fast or are counting down the hours minutes until until it's time to to break fast this evening and tomorrow they can eat breakfast um in the daylight and lunch in the daylight and snacks and um yeah it has uh, special significance this year from the horrific events that are happening in Palestine. Um, and so we obviously pray for an end to the oppression and occupation in Palestine. And uh, we pray for justice and healing and reconciliation in a world where occupation doesn't happen anymore. So, uh, yeah. Yes. So Eid Mubarak and uh, did I say that right? Yeah. Okay, good. Eid Mubarak and Eid Mubarak. Uh, I love I love the fast that our Muslim friends do, um, and it reminds me of the its spiritual practices of Lent and how all of these spiritual traditions uh, come together to fast not not just to fast but to remind ourselves of those who. Um, who don't have food to eat. Um, that's the whole point of this. Um, so it's not like this masochistic thing that all of these religions do, but it's a reminder that um, there are many of us who can't choose to fast. And uh, how do we love our neighbor, um, uh, which all of these religions share uh, as best we can? It's by sharing our food and uh, identifying with one another, empathizing with one another. And that's what these fasts are really all about. So, yes, absolutely. You know, um, because of the pandemic, it has been harder. Um, you know, first of all, something like a fast is always the burden is always lightened when it's shared among community, and it's just hard not to be able to see, um, 
to see your your dear friends um, in person and to pray with them shoulder to shoulder as, as Muslims do. But, um, and um, during, uh, and also during Ramadan, food is shared um, just among the whole community. And of course, that's a hard thing to do. But a lot of times, um, you know, you save, you save money and food during the day. Um, and then the poor are able to access it at night. And I think it's been more difficult during the, during the fast, but I looked up fasting safety tips just to kind of see what my Muslim friends were going through this year. And one of the first things I saw was, was, an injunction to Muslims to volunteer to help distribute the COVID vaccine. Mm. So even during this time of of um, this time of scarcity, which is even harder when they can't be together, um, Muslims give extra to charity. And if you, I know that there was a, I know that there was a Muslim admitting me um, when I got my vaccine. Um, just you know, so. I just thought that was wonderful and a sign of the spirit of generosity that Ramadan is. Yeah, that's awesome. Uh, Amber says, I was reading The Rapture Exposed. I highly recommend that book, The Rapture Exposed. If you want to learn about Revelation, the book of Revelation and uh, The Rapture. So Amber, thank you for bringing this up by Barbara Rosing. Fantastic book. I was reading The Rapture Exposed when I learned about the news in Palestine. There's some great con uh, conversation in there about eschatology, which just simply refers to like what's going to happen at the, the end, end um, and the harms of Christian Zionism that were quite relevant yesterday. So Christian Zionism is um, like uh, how Christians relate to Jerusalem and Israel being the place of um, the Jews, which means yeah. not the Muslims. <laughs> so kick the Muslims out. So that's what Christian Zionism is referring to. So Amber says uh, there was quite a, it was quite relevant yesterday praying for peace in the Middle East. So yeah. um, that's, uh, yeah, uh, thank you, Amber. That's that is a, a fabulous book. I, I read it for my thesis, which is which was about finding a loving alternative to Christian Zionism, where where we could celebrate the diversity of the interfaith diversity of the region and make it livable for everybody. So, um, and it, it's not livable for everybody now. Um, and um, we do pray for an end to the occupation. Yes. And the ability to live together, uh -huh. worshiping the same God that that everyone loves, or that loves everyone, at least. At least that God loves everyone. Well, um, we, I mean, the three Abrahamic faiths go back to Abraham and Sarah, and the whole point and of- Hagar. And Hagar. And Hagar, thank you, okay. And the whole yes. point was- uh, for Abraham and Sarah and Hagar to be a blessing to all of the nations. So when we start being a curse to one another, we have missed the plot. So um, that's on that's on us. So anyway, uh, Amber finished it in like three hours yesterday. That's good. Yes, Courtney and Hagar. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you and Hagar. Okay, we're good. Okay. Um, um, oh, uh, we're seven minutes into it and we haven't talked about yeah, we to the scripture yet 
And that's because I hate this passage. Just gonna throw that out there. Just gonna just gonna tell you that I would rather talk about almost anything, especially about how important Hagar is, um, than to talk about this passage. Because this passage, just like um, it, it's one of those passages that we have to do some serious unlearning about, um, because it has been used and continues to be used in harmful ways, and that's tragic because this is called the high priestly prayer. Uh, it's this passage in John where Jesus is, knows he is on his way to the cross and he's giving his farewell discourse. And in the middle of it, he offers up this prayer. And we're going to read the middle part of the prayer. Um, the beginning of the prayer is where Jesus prays for himself. So a lot of us think that we're selfish when we are praying for ourselves. But Jesus prayed for himself, so it's okay to pray for yourself, too. Like, if you're going through a hard time, like Jesus is going through, um, it's okay to pray for yourself. Uh, and then in our section that we're going to read now, Jesus prays for his disciples uh, that are currently with him in this moment. And then in the third section, uh, which we're not going to read, Jesus prays for his future disciples, um, people um, that would be listening to this uh, in around the year 90 when the Gospel of John was written, and also people for like you and me. Um, Jesus prays for us too. Um, so that's kind of cool as well. But this passage is long, and it's kind of winding, and I'm going to try to not fall asleep as I read it. <laughs> and so um, Lindsay's going to try to stay awake too. So uh, here we go. You ready? Okay, this is John chapter 17, verses 6 through 19. Are you ready? Ready. I have made, this is Jesus praying uh, to the Father, it says this, I have made your name known to those whom you gave me from the world. They were yours, and you gave them to me, and they have kept your word. Now they know that everything you have given me is from you. For the words that you gave to me, I have given to them, and they have received them, and know in truth that I came from you, and they have believed that you sent me. I am asking on their behalf. I am not asking on behalf of the world, but on behalf of those whom you gave me, because they are yours. All mine are yours, and yours are mine, and I have been glorified in them. And now I am no longer in the world, but they are in the world, and I am coming to you. Holy Father, protect them in your name that you have given me, so that they may be one as we are one. While I am with them, I protected them in your name that you have given me. I guarded them, and not one of them was lost, except, except the one destined to be lost so that the scripture might be fulfilled. But now I am coming to you, and I speak these things in the world, so that they may have my joy made complete in themselves. I have given them your word, and the world has hated them because they do not belong to the world, just as I do not belong to the world. I am not asking you to take them out of the world, but I ask you to protect them from the evil one, 
They do not belong to the world, just as I do not belong to the world. Sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. As you have sent me into the world, so I have sent them into the world. And for their sakes, I sanctify myself so that they also may be sanctified in truth. Melanie says a lot of repetition. Yes. <laughs> well, you know, we, we managed to stay awake. But, okay, uh, good. I'm glad I didn't put any of you to sleep. That's awesome. This is, Can't say the same for Jesus. He uh, put his disciples to sleep when he was praying a couple of times. Maybe they fell asleep uh, during this prayer too. We'll see. But, so. Well, I mean, this is right before, this is the Last Supper. And so this is right before Gethsemane. And he begs them to stay awake, but they just can't. So, you know, with prayers like that, <laughs> Jesus, forgive me. I'm sorry. Okay. Um, what's the, what's, what's the point of this? What's, what's good about this? You know, I mean, he's about to die an excruciating death and it's not just going to be painful for him it's going to be terrifying. So, I, I mean, he's he is about to be taken by the powers that be and killed in the most brutal and public way possible. Um, and so, like, If it can't happen until he says all that he has to say, then I probably talk a lot too to, to prolong it. But also, you know, um, but also honestly, if anything warrants a long prayer, this situation does. And um, there are words, words to remember and draw comfort from in, in the bleakest possible hour um so so there's there's definitely that um uh. i um yes i i okay so um some of the let's i'll i'll mention some of the things that i like about this prayer and then some of the things that i find problematic about it yeah so in this in this passage as with the Gospel of John in general, um, Jesus has this way of saying that he has this special relationship with God or with the Father, and he wants to share in that relationship with us. So Jesus does not hoard this relationship. Um, Jesus is not selfish in this relationship. He wants to share it, and he prays exactly that. When he says, may they be one as you and I are one. This is Jesus inviting us to participate in the life of God. Yeah. So we get to see what the life of God is like in this person, Jesus. And Jesus invites us to participate in that life. Now, this can sound very woo-woo, right? Like, like super mystical, but Jesus makes it really practical, doesn't mm -hmm. he? Right? Yeah. This isn't yeah. this isn't about like you having to go up to a mountain to have 
um, some kind of spiritual mystical experience. Although I'm not going to take that away from anyone. If you've had that experience, amen, that's awesome. But Jesus's participation in the life of God is, is, is not as clean and um, pristine as that. It's dirty. It's actually pretty mm-hmm. filthy. It's bloody. It's human, right? Mm-hmm. It's how you love one another. Um, it's how you move beyond this um, kind of dualistic mentality of um, uh, that, that goes like this, that, that goes on the human level, us against them, right? Because Jesus is playing, praying for unity here. Um, it's us and them. That's the mentality he's trying to get us to. But it's also gets us beyond a dualistic mentality of we're here and um, God is somewhere way up there in heaven, right? Because Jesus is saying God is right here, right now with us. And you can participate in this now. And the way that you do that is not some, you know, esoteric, super big mystery. It's simply in how you love one another. Yeah, this whole this whole passage um, takes on a deeper meaning if you if you um, if you just kind of fill in the you uh, with love, like you know everything that you ha- like. You know, Jesus is addressing God, and if you call God love, I think that makes a huge a huge I don't want to say difference because it's it's the same but um makes a huge impact um he's saying that he is returning to love and that is very comforting when he's about to be crucified for them to know that you know it's not the ways of violence winning yes exactly god is love and um and that's just so huge. It's so simple and we say it all the time, but it's so, so huge because, you know, if God is, is this, is this big wrathful deity, or even if, even if Jesus is on God's side and this is all part of a plan, but God is not love, God is power and might and a great plan to weed out the the good from the evil and the winners from the losers. If if that's God, then this doesn't have any comfort to us. I don't know. It might comfort the disciples to be on the right side, but it, it's it's not nearly as comforting or beautiful. But if God is love, this is love winning. And it's really going to look like the powers that be are winning when Jesus is crucified. But well, that's yeah. And that's where we have to do a lot of the unlearning in this passage that much of Christianity has has given us, Um, because it's the whole world language, right, (laughs) that Jesus is saying here. That's one of the things that I find most problematic about this passage is um the stuff like where does it talk about the world um you know like the, um it's almost as if uh the world is bad and you can come up with a kind of a victimary mentality that a lot of that that many christians have 
like they'll like there can be this mentality in Christianity that um, if the world hates you, uh, then you're then you're doing it right. <laughs> Mm-hmm. right so just be a jerk to the world and get the world to hate you and that's how we know we're good christians by if we label everybody else as sinners and of course they're going to be mad at you because you're telling them the truth well no they're mad at you because you're a jerk and you're not you're you're not doing it right <laughs> like and then and then they'll say oh yeah we're we're the victims of the world and uh, that's how it that's how it should be, which makes them even more resentful towards the world. But where does where does for God so loved the world fit into this um, scenario when we become like the the victims uh, when we have a victimary mentality of the world, which often loves people far better than how many Christians love people? Yeah, that's so. That's where I find this problematic. And also it's very problematic because there's a strand within Christianity that takes this world language, like the world is evil. And so then who cares about global warming? Who cares about taking care of the world? Uh, Because God is just going to uh, destroy it anyway. And we're all going to go up to heaven. This is the horrible rapture theology that, um, uh, that Amber is getting at in in the book uh the rapture exposed so all of that are things in this passage that we need to unlearn um because when jesus is talking about the world he's not talking about um the the earth and the trees um and all of the good creation that god has done back in genesis chapter one right um he's talking about the powers and principalities, the unjust systems, uh, the way in which uh, the the world, the human relationships have run amok and become oppressive. Um, and he's he's naming that. The powers that throw him up on the cross and throw up um, countless other Jews on the cross too, but also the powers that kill our Black siblings out on the streets Um, the powers that have enslaved and lynched our Black siblings, the powers that be that that are killing our Palestinian siblings and oppressing them. Um, These are all part, this is the, that's the world that Jesus is referring to here. Yeah. And I mean, I think Walter Wink, um, a theologian who, who passed away, I guess, about a decade ago, um, he, he wrote all about the powers and um, he basically summed it up as saying the powers, um, the powers were created good. They are fallen. They need to be redeemed and um, the powers can be redeemed. So, I mean, when we rail against the powers and principalities, I think that, um, I think we should keep in mind that that they are redeemable too. They are fallen, but redeemable. Um, and I just see it as the way we relate to each other. The way we relate to each other is basically where all these institutions and structures come from. And um, I'm not, you know, I there are some institutions that I want to see way slowed down um 
I'm I'm almost for prison abolition. Like I'm for abolishing prisons in most cases, but not completely. Um, and I'm for reforming them in every case, making them more humane in every case. But um, but so when I talk about redeeming institutions, I don't mean very specifically like that. I mean redeeming the ways we relate to each other. And there are some really awesome comments. Uh, Rosemary says, I like this passage. Jesus is reminding his apostles that he and the Father are one. Absolutely. He taught them how to treat each other because that's who the Father is. And Courtney, you say um, that in the other Gospels, he goes away to pray. And in this Gospel, the disciples get to hear him pray. That is awesome. That is so true, and we we definitely shouldn't knock that. That um, that's wonderful. That is his vulnerability towards you know among his disciples. He's being very vulnerable, very honest, very open. So um, we we should really appreciate that. It's a powerful thing to hear someone pray for us, to have confidence in us that we are capable of taking a risk like Jesus did to participate in God's revelation so intimately. Thus, the comfort of returning to love, even in the grief and fear of life after the crucifixion, great risk yields great reward. Kingdom's great reward. Um, kingdom is great reward and asks us to risk everything in the face of empire. Thank you, Courtney. Kenny says, Thank you for these awesome live sessions. He and his daughter are tuning in from Kentucky. Thank you, Kenny. And Courtney, we, we love your novels, so don't apologize. I will apologize. read your novel over and over again, Courtney. Nice yeah, it's, it's wonderful. And humans try to understand everything through human eyes. Therein lies the problem, Holly says. Um, yeah, I mean, that's another, that's another thing. When we talk about humanity that way, we're talking about fallen humanity to see through eyes that are clouded, cloudy lenses. But of course, there's a deeper humanity that Jesus brings out. And that's the same issue with the world, too. There's the fallen world, and there's the deeper um, the deeper world that God has created as a gift and a home and a blessing to us. Um, so when we use language, we have to know what we're talking about. Um, um, yeah, and people who, uh, Rosemary says, people who believe in, I think, the um, us against the world mentality that Adam was talking about don't know Jesus. People need to know who Jesus really is, and then they won't interpret this in that way. And um, that's, I think that's true, Rosemary, but I think, I think the problem is so deep that, that the wrong, that the harsh and mean and over against interpretations have just permeated the culture so long that people could be trying their best and still be stuck in that mentality. And um, I don't think there's a really, um, I think the way out of it is more than just logical. It, you, you gotta, um, I mean, I mean, for people to get out of mentality like that, we have to see the best in them and love them and um, draw out love from within them. I mean, that's, I think the only way that I've 
been able to get out of my um my fears is to be loved out of them um Yeah, and Amber says the mindset of us versus them doesn't allow you to see the world as if you were looking into the eyes of your savior. You can't other people and hold them close like you would the Lord. Courtney says, I worry that we create more us against them if we don't see ourselves in the ones with whom we disagree. Yep. Yeah. That's uh, that's a beautiful point. I uh, um, just, I, and I think we see that in this passage so Jesus has been praying for unity for um, for us uh, as as God is one. May they be as Jesus and uh, the Father are one. May they be one, participating in this divine life of of oneness and multiplicity at the same time. Uh, it doesn't wash away our differences, but we're essentially one in the spirit of love. Now, Jesus prays for protection in this passage a little later, and interestingly, I always think of like protection, my mindset goes to, oh, if I just have enough faith, everything will go well for me. And Jesus is going to protect me from any harm, any shame that I might experience in the future. Um, That's not it. (laughs) That's not what he's praying for, for protection here. He asks, he prays for protection from the evil one. Uh, Now, who is the evil one? in this passage. We could come up with all kinds of different answers, I'm sure, for who is the evil one. But the evil one is the one who tempts us to not live into the unity that Jesus is praying for, right? The evil one you might call, I'll go out on a limb uh, and just say that Jesus might be referring to the Satan or Hasatan. Uh, who means, the the name means tempter, but also accuser. So whereas Jesus is inviting us into this unity that's based on love, the evil one, or Hasatan, would be inviting us into a different kind of unity, a unity that is based on um, finding, finding a sense of unity by pointing our fingers over and against someone that we have been that we have labeled as evil right that's that's the old ancient human way of finding unity is by uniting in opposition against a common enemy um and jesus prays that we will be protected from the evil one who uh unites us in that way (laughs) right? Because that's the opposite of the way of God. And I fall in this trap just as much as anyone else. I I enjoy finding a common enemy. I enjoy pointing the fingers and getting somebody to unite with me against somebody that we can say, hey, that person is a real jerk. Um, it could be that uh, evangelicals and conservative Christians are my favorite target for this. Right. And this, I think, is where Courtney is getting at. Um, At least this is where Courtney's message uh, helps me in seeing how this evil one infects me, um, because it's important for me to see myself in those that I label as um, getting in the way of the true message of Christianity. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Right. So I prop myself up as, oh, I'm the we're, we're the true 
uh, Christians, we're the ones who are giving the right message and, and they're not. Although yeah. I may think that's true, um, I might be able to do it in more loving ways, or I might be able to see uh, how this oppositional thinking is part of the problem. And maybe it's just human, or maybe there are ways that we can get beyond it. I struggle with this passage too, because I see this in Judas. Um, it's easy to it's easy to blame Judas and say Judas was the bad guy. Judas was uh, chosen to be uh, the bad. Jesus refers to Judas in here, and there's kind of like a Judas is the bad guy, and the disciples are the good guys. The disciples yeah. uh, were the ones who stuck to Jesus's message, even though they also abandoned Jesus. Right. And, I, I wanna yeah. I wanna get to Judas, um, and I know that we don't have that much time left, but I wanna get to Judas. But real quickly, yeah. Um, Real quickly, going back to um, Ha Shaitan and the um, the temptation to righteous anger, because it just it it does feel good. And when you are focused on somebody else's mistakes and you're focused on how terrible they are and how good you are, by contrast, it it really can feel something like godly um just you're not the bad guy you're the good guy they're the bad guy and it's um i feel like it's so so tempting and it, it it just when i put it that way it seems easy to to um to see but when you get swept up in it it, it really isn't I feel like my way beyond that is um, beyond a spirit of, of accusation to go to a spirit of redemption and to think not that, to not, to be able to see faults, but to, but to also say, well, they can be better. And that's just a step away from saying, you know, I could be better too. And I try to, I try to, um, yeah, I really do try to look to the log in my own eye first, and I don't always, I don't always succeed in that endeavor. But um, you have to be able to hold people accountable, um, just to do so in a way that remembers that everybody is redeemable, and um, and then you remember that you are in need of redemption too. Um, yeah, we are all lovable and human with our messy imperfections. That's that's true. Thank you, Holly. Yeah. You were, you were gonna say something about Judas, I think. I think, yeah, I mean poor Judas. I just I I just really um you know, maybe it's that I learned some theology from Jesus Christ superstar before before the bible because i i really i really love jesus christ superstar but you know the one who went against jesus the one who betrayed jesus you honestly can't single out judas that way because they all abandoned him and peter goes and warms his hands by the fire right after jesus is arrested he's not just cold he is finding a new crowd a new crowd among the mob that arrested jesus he is going to be with them he's, 
you know, um, they, they all, you know, um, I think John just had a beef against Judas. I, I, I think John has some things to learn. I see room for John to grow unless he's testing us to see the scapegoating mechanism at work, which uh, would be pretty subversive of him, I guess. <laughs> but Rosemary says, how do you know when someone really is doing something evil to someone else out of hatred? Um, well, okay. Sometimes it's just obvious. Sometimes <laughs> it's just, I'm sorry, but like sometimes... So if, if the if the question is how can you know someone's real motivation how do you know someone isn't trying to help sometimes you don't know sometimes a real motivation could be um you know i really think you're on the wrong track and i and i really want to give you some really tough love to set you right some people really think like that um but but then there are evils that yeah we don't know anyone else's heart but um, I mean, I, I was just in a book talk on the Holocaust last night with a, with an interfaith group. So um, slavery, I'm, I'm doing a, I'm doing a, um, I'm doing an anti-racism course through the Episcopal Church. And, you know, when you see evil, you do have to call it out. Um, and you have to remember that evil is is actions but not the sum total of human beings i really think you have to hold in your heart that everyone can be redeemed but um but some things and i guess even if you don't know if it's being done out of hatred you have to call evil evil anyway i mean i'm thinking especially with people who who um who say it's wrong to be gay or lesbian, you have to, you have to call that out, even if people mean it from, from the depths of their heart to help someone, you know what I mean? You just, even if it's, even if you can't know the motivation, you still have to try to, um, and how do you talk to them about that? We don't know. I, I, it depends on the person. I, I, I don't think there's a one size fits all solution, but yeah. yeah, and I like um, personally. I uh, <laughs> like it's a, it's a good comment, Amber. I mean, yeah. John had to tell everyone that he ran exactly he ran Peter in the Bible, so he might have had some beef with a few disciples. Yeah, John seems to be pretty rivalistic, so <laughs> with his fellow disciples. Um, I and yeah, I mean, that, the most beautiful words, so we yes. can see where he falls where he might fall short and then recognize our own shortcomings in that and also see the beauty. So that's yeah. a wonderful thing about the disciples and, and the evangelists. I, I think, uh, Rosemary, I, I would, I would kind of answer that as, you know, like, like Lindsay, you bring up, um, people who are against our LGBTQIA siblings. Um, you can also talk about like, uh, people who are overtly racist. And um, it's hard to know how to how to talk with them to get them beyond that. Um, and sometimes it just feels like a waste of 
time. Um, but um, I'm not saying that we shouldn't uh, talk to those folks. But I like for me, what I'm discovering more and more is um, when Jesus is talking about the world, he's talking about um, like the systemic racism in the world. Mm -hmm. And those are things that we might be able to fix. Like we've got legislation right now um, de being debated on, um, on, on who can vote and making it easier for people to vote or harder for people to vote, right? Um, and some of those policies look, look anti-racist to me and some of them look like they've got some racism behind them. Um, so uh, I am much, much more in, like, and the last administration tried to make it so that uh, transgender folk could be um, fired just for being transgender, right? Thank God that didn't pass. Um, so I, I, I'm kind of going in the way of changing policies within the world to make them look more compassionate and less oppressive. Um, and then maybe hearts and minds will continue to follow um, I, after that. I couldn't have put it better myself. Yeah. Live in the way of love. Work for policies that work with love. That's what redeeming the powers are all about. Yeah. And the powers reach so deeply into our hearts and souls. If we if we can reform the powers, then what's reaching into our hearts and souls will be different. Um, like if we can create a world where we just structurally take care of each other because that's what we do, um, then then you know, it'll just be easier to, to love each other and love will look like love again. It, it just, I am, I am yeah. reading this fascinating book that I highly recommend. It's called The Sum of Us, how, how racism um, costs everyone and uh, how to fix it or something like that. It's by Heather McGee, highly recommend it. She talks about how these racist policies hurt everyone. And so if you can get rid of the racist policies, we will see how everyone benefits from it and how we all get elevated from it. And it just makes the world a better place. So um, that. Heather McGee, the sum of us. Um, so, hey, we had a much better conversation about this passage than I could have ever imagined. So... Thank you all for being here, Rosemary, Amber, Holly, um, and Emily, and Courtney, and all of you. Thank you <laughs> for this. You have uh, helped redeem it. Um, thank you all uh, so yes. much. Yeah, Amber, adding another another book. Oh, hey, Doug, my old friend, Doug. Mm -hmm. uh, Doug says, uh, a helpful background to understanding the in the world, but not of it, are Jesus's references to the ruler of this world. Yes, in John uh, 12, 31, 14, and 16. Yes, um, that's, the, that's a perfect way to also re reference where Jesus talks about uh, the evil one in this passage as well. So uh, Teresa says, flash, flashback, the nuns at my cat prison catechism. <laughs> Having batches of kittens over, I'm memorizing and singing loud and proud songs from Jesus Christ Superstar, Poor Old Judas. Yes, uh -huh. for the younger peeps really is a song with wow. the play. Mm -hmm. 
Mm-hmm. So, uh, Jesus Jennifer and Jesus you. Christ superstar. I mean, that's two of my favorite things right there. I love it. I love it. What are two of your favorite things? Kittens and Jesus Christ oh, superstar. Jesus. Good. <laughs> Lindsay, the cat lady. I love it. That's awesome. Okay. Um, <laughs> thank you, everyone. Appreciate your comments. And uh, we will do our next Bible study next Wednesday. Five o'clock Central, three o'clock Pacific. We invite you to join us then. And um, until then, uh, you can listen to all of our podcasts on Jesus Unmask, wherever you listen to your podcasts. And until next week, God be with you. God bless you. Jesus Unmasked is produced by the Raven Foundation, where we talk about faith and mimetic theory. Check out more of our work at ravenfoundation.org. You can connect with Raven on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. If you liked this episode, feel free to share it with your friends or your enemies, because Jesus calls us to love them too.